Hi, welcome to the Generative Art Podcast. Today we're talking to Sherelle Bryant. She's an amazing person with a lot to say about education, code, creativity. It's a fun one. So, uh, yeah, this week we have the lovely Sherelle Bryant. I have pronounced that correctly, haven't I, Sherelle? Yes, you okay, have. Um, I remember I had to intro you when I first met you because I was emceeing at the conference that I met you at um, and I had to do this for absolutely everybody I had to be like yeah this is how you pronounce your name correctly isn't it um, because the worst <laughs> thing is going hi I've got this person and then they're like no that's that's not me <laughs> um, so just uh, I will do a quick quick rundown because I've sort of mentioned it but I met Sherelle a few months ago when we were in Amsterdam and we instantly just started talking about creative coding and I knew that I really wanted to talk to her more about it so I thought that this was a really really good platform to do that which is hence why we've got you on um would you like to tell us what you do Sherelle who you are and what you do sure definitely and thank you for having me on um so right now I live in New York um I'm a programmer I recently started becoming a tech lead manager for the company I work at, which is called Teachers Pay Teachers. Uh, We're an educational marketplace where teachers can share and sell resources that they create with other teachers. So it's in the education space, which I really love. And um, I work on the web platform team there. So help support basically front end engineering um, in the org, which is really exciting. Um, And on the weekends or at night, I also am a musician. So I play guitar I dabble in piano, but I basically write songs and then perform them uh, either with other musicians at open mics or shows or uh, will write songs alone Um, and recently have been figuring out how to kind of combine those interests together, um, which has led me to creative coding. Well, I can see where where you've got a lot in common. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's actually quite true because... I'm sure we, we've spoken about music quite a lot already and we are probably going to concentrate on this a little bit more, aren't we, Tim? Um, because I work in the audio space quite a lot. But um, I have mentioned already I'm also a teacher, which I don't think mm-hmm. me and Sherelle really delved into very much when we met. So the platform, No, I don't think so, yeah. No, so the platform that she works on is also extremely interesting. Um, I'm like, oh, so I can, I can share my educational resources and, and get paid using your platform totally yes yeah that sounds really good I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I don't know which way to go now I'm like do we which (laughs) one do we talk about which one do we talk about um so this so it you would say that it's more your uh sort of hobbies and interests and um things outside of your day work that have moved you into the creative coding and sort of marrying those two things I feel like that wasn't a very good question but no, I know what you mean. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, my day to day, I, uh, well, when I was writing more code in my role when I was an individual contributor, um, mostly writing JavaScript. So um, in my creative coding journey, I've mostly focused on what can be done like in the browser. So in that way, um, it's overlapped, but I kind of wanted to take time to explore that more uh, in a way that wasn't just on the weekends or at night. So I ended up going to, um, this program called the Recurse Center 
I think. Uh, oh, amazing. About this. Yeah, it's an amazing place. I actually went there five years ago originally, and that's where I really um, developed a lot of my coding skills and was able to get my first engineering job after that. Um, I moved to New York for three months. And if you're not familiar, it's a um, like self-directed, community-driven kind of retreat for programmers. It's an amazing space to kind of just learn in. So yeah, I went there five years ago for three months, have been working as a software engineer since. And uh, then this year went back for six weeks to just focus on uh, like creative coding projects. And that kind of gave me some space and time to work on things like more full-time for a bit. Uh, I didn't realize you'd been twice. That's that's amazing, um, Tim. It's I think like- a surprising amount of people go back to the Rico Center. It's just, it just seems like such a wonderful experience for everyone on board. Yeah, I was going to say it sounds like you're familiar with the Rico Center. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I see. Uh, I guess like in I'm also in New York, and it's based in New York. Yeah, yeah, it's um, based in New York. Yeah, so you you tend to see people at meetups and and uh, kind of local conferences, um, and yeah, always got an interesting story to tell. That's for sure. Yeah, so I am not in New York, and I think that somebody had mentioned the Rika Center to me before, um, but only in passing. And it wasn't until I was discussing it with Sherelle, and I googled it when I got back. Um, for the listeners that don't know, we'll, we'll put a link in uh, this episode. But it's this. I, I don't know whether culturally you'd say something different on the other side of the pond. It's like a sort of sponsorship. So you can apply for funding. Um, I don't know whether that was just um, for certain, certain yeah, people that you can go without funding as well. Yeah, you can. Um, so the program is free. And then um, if you need a need-based grant, uh, they, uh, you can apply for those um, if you're uh, underrepresented in tech. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then it just gives you the space to, you can work on whatever you want. As you have to apply with something in mind, don't you? Um, yeah. Seems... So they have, Sorry, yeah, if you, to have an idea of um, what you would want to work on, but that can definitely change. They definitely have some um, more specific grants or I think for the one week mini batches, want you to have a clearer idea of what you'll be working on just because right. there's a more limited time. Um, but otherwise, it's kind of open to kind of get inspired by other people, what other people are working on. I definitely just kind of worked on a different thing each day because somebody <laughs> would bring up a cool like tool or library. And I was like, that sounds cool. Let me just like explore that for a little. So lots of room to kind of go in different directions while you're there as well. Okay. I would- that's it. There's, there's a couple of um, – there's a – Somebody called uh, Pirate Fish on Twitter, who was at Rico Center and did a huge uh, generative art kind of blog while she was there, and and is still doing like more and more and more good work. Actually, I think we might try and get her on. Uh, Wait, uh, I have a very funny uh, anecdote about that. Is that Sherman is a good friend of mine and used to work with me. <laughs> oh, there you go. Very recently, yeah, <laughs> and we're all connected. Yes, who is very awesome. You should definitely have her on. <laughs> okay. Uh, so um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the work you did whilst you were there because I think that's going to yeah, be quite interesting. Me. So you were actually there twice. You were there five years ago and then you were there six months ago. Did You said you worked on something, you sort of vaguely said you worked on something completely different every day, but was there one piece of work that you did end up producing or was it just a exploratory time for you? 
Yeah, my real focus of that time was to kind of work on kind of work on a bunch of like mini projects. So um, like every like three days, I would kind of work on a different thing and maybe like go back to it. And, you know, I just wanted to have side projects that I had started. So then when I had less time or was working just on the weekend, I wouldn't have to completely start something new. Um, so I leveraged Glitch a lot. I don't know if mm-hmm. either of you have used Glitch, but that was yeah, a course. great yeah, platform for me to kind of also collaborate with other folks and to have my code if somebody wanted to see like oh I demoed something so there's also an opportunity to demo while you're at um, recurse and kind of show what you've been working on in a like low pressure environment which was really awesome for me so um, there are some projects I worked on that then I could just show and be like and here's the code if you want to go look at it or make your own uh, you can like remix it and kind of build off of that so mm-hmm. that was really a great way for me to work on that. I would say the coolest project I worked on was I had this MIDI controller a friend had given me, um, (laughs) which was as a musician, I was like really excited to use it. And it's very cute and very compact. I could just like throw in my tote bag. So I brought it and I wanted to explore using um, like web MIDI, which I think in terms of support wise, um, maybe only natively supported in like Chrome and opera so focused on that just uh, for experimentation mm-hmm. um, but then uh, use the MIDI controller to basically send messages and then use P5 um, to kind of put that together and then also wanted to learn about fragment shaders so uh-huh. kind of wanted to look into all of those things and basically use this MIDI controller to send messages to um, web audio API to make noises and make my own synth basically in the browser, but also to change a visual display and like play with fragment shaders. So basically based on what notes you play and what uh, knobs I do on the MIDI controller, the visuals and audios would change. So that was kind of a fun big project that combined all the things I was interested in that I could like demo and was very exciting to work on. That, that sounds very, very awesome. Um, is that available yeah. online? Um, I have the glitch for it, which I can share. You might need yeah. a, I haven't tested it with other MIDI controllers <laughs> besides mine, but it should work. Um, yeah. Do you know what MIDI controller that you had? Yeah, I think it's the Akai MPK mini controller. Oh, uh, the Akai. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah they, they're relatively cheap. And like you said, they're quite compact. Like they're they're portable, which is good. Some exactly. of the some of the bigger ones, some of the hefty ones, are actually can get quite heavy. And um, that the Akai actually, the LPD8 is the one that I first used with the browser. They're they're quite similar. I think they're the same size with just different um, inputs on. Um, support it is just Chrome, Samsung Internet, funnily enough, but they're a Chrome fork as well. Um, so you're looking at Chrome and Opera and. And Samsung Internet, which is a bit of a Opera's shame. Opera's the big surprise, honestly. That's the perpetual <laughs> red. And can I use? <laughs> yeah, I think I think I saw that. I did not test it on Opera. I can say. <laughs> I'm wondering whether any of the other things would <laughs> be like is audio going yeah. to is fragment shaders like all those other things. Um, but yeah, I'm big big fan of MIDI. The the constant permanent status of Firefox is it's coming. Yeah. Which, <laughs> I will, absolutely will. But um, <clears throat> yeah, well, that when that day comes, I will, 
I'll have a MIDI party by myself in Firefox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was all my questions and all my MIDIs. Um, with P5.js, because I'm actually not that familiar with P5, um, for our listeners, this is a JavaScript library that makes creative coding easy and accessible. And if you want to get started, P5 is a really, really yes. good place because it's got a good website. Um, you can There's lots and lots of getting started tutorials. Um, does it have any sort of MIDI support? I know that it's got audio, but... Oh, yeah. So I actually used like different tools for that. So I don't think they have MIDI support. No, so I okay. used a program, I think, called Web MIDI just to make things easier um, uh-huh. to not work directly. And then also used um, a library Tone.js um, to make the web audio stuff a bit easier as well. Yeah. The only way I can use web audio. So yeah. <laughs> Ruth understands it, which is insane to me, but I cannot at all. Yeah, I will. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming. We're going to, I would, I'll give Tim a lesson. And we'll record the lesson. But Tone is an incredible library. I think it's my favorite web audio library. There's there's Howler and, um, oh, God, what else am I thinking of? Something else. They they all make parts of the web audio easier because it's 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 a very big API with lots and lots of different moving parts. But Tone, if you want to make noises and synths and, yeah, the transport layer, like the timing layer is just blows my mind every time I use it. Right. Um, yeah, it's very cool. <laughs> um, so just to go back to this project, you had actually put something together where you have a MIDI controller. So this is a piece of hardware where you press buttons. That is actually controlling sounds, which you have also yes. coded, and visuals at the same time. Yes. Oh, my goodness. That's brilliant. It was, Yeah, it was very fun. And I kind of part of this project as well was I wanted to learn about synthesizers and synthesis in general. Uh-huh. And I was having a hard time just like wrapping my head around it. Uh-huh. Um, so the, also the thing I liked about Tone.js is they already have some like different synths you can play around with yeah. and kind of show like what that actually, like how is it making that noise? So then I, I programmed different like pads on my uh, controller to change the synth. So then I could be like, oh, this is this synth and this is what it sounds like. So it was a kind of way for me to learn more about music through something I was familiar with, with code, uh-huh. but also get better at the coding stuff with uh, something I was familiar with, with music. So it was a good kind of exchange in that way. Yeah, I, I think I always find that music, if, if you, I think a lot of people have a vague musical background a lot of the time, probably not as much as we might do as adults, but at some point in their childhood, they might have come across playing a recorder at school or something. So they have this basic understanding. Right. And actually, it does lend itself quite well to how it matches the code. And you could yeah. play play off what you know and how to learn it. Was it just the Tone.js resources that you used to help you get your head around since and all the rest of it? Or were there any other resources that you used for that? Can you remember? Yeah. Um, so there's a really cool online tutorial um, by Ableton. Yeah. I think it's called Learning Sense. It is, yeah. And that's really awesome. So I think I stumbled uh, upon that when looking into it. And that's a really good resource um, for me. And then yeah. just, yeah, playing around. I also have given like a few workshops and talks to like get myself interested in web audio to explain to other people. <laughs> so that's also been a good use. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. of it of like that uh, talk driven development and yeah learning. <laughs> learn, learn via teaching <laughs> yeah um, something really really meta about that is the Ableton site is built with Tone.js yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was it's all swings and roundabouts. It's all like this big circle of yeah, they yeah. Um there's some there's some backstories around that. Um and just thinking about uh, Tim, do you have any questions? I feel like we're just going into um, for me, I'm just saying yeah. I could talk about things all day. <laughs> um yeah, one thing that you mentioned before that I thought was very, very interesting um was that uh, you started a bunch of projects so that when you had a little bit of time, you could work on those. I never really hear that very often. It's a, it's such a fantastic idea. Was that something that is just the way that you work or someone kind of recommended uh, doing that? I feel like a lot of the time people will start something big and then kind of get hung up and, and not not finish it or not kind of pursue it anymore because they solve maybe the biggest part of the problem. Yeah, um, totally. How that works. Um, yeah, I think it's because I ran into some frustration with kind of starting a big new project or that I had to have some big new idea and big side project that I could work on. And every time I did have free time on the weekend, I would be so intimidated to work on it because I was like, oh, well, I should explore all the different libraries that I could use for this or do this and that. And I would get distracted and wouldn't actually do anything. <laughs> um, so I thought if I used the six weeks where I had a, like time to just do that exploration and kind of go deep into things, then when I had like maybe an hour or so, I could be like, oh, this is code I've already written. Okay, let me remind myself. Here's one little thing I wanted to change or learn today. Um, so I thought it would just set me up for success better, um, which so far it has. It's been fun to go back to things I kind of worked on and be like, oh, yeah, I remember I did that. Now that I know this other thing, let me like refactor or let me add this new feature. Um, so th- I, I found it to be successful so far. <laughs> no, definitely. It's definitely seems to be the way to go. Um, I'm kind of do a similar thing, but with lots of very, very small projects. So it's like, oh, I have an hour. Here's my infinitely long to-do list of small things that I can do. Right. Um, and and I guess each one of those is an exploration, but it definitely helps, you know, people trying to get going and get creating and get learning to have something in existence. And then, of course, you can clone other projects as well, which is yeah, yeah. I think a whole other. You've already mentioned glitch, like things like that, make it a lot easier, doesn't it? Like you yeah. can. You can just go in and see how other people have done things, which I think is a brilliant part of that area of the industry is share the sharing of code. I think this is a really, really important point to make because I definitely have come from a background where I will want to do something big and forget about breaking it down and making it small mm-hmm. because you do you're you'll get halfway through, it won't work the way you want it to, or it will be too much for the time that you've given it because I'm, you know, I'm a developer, so I'm terrible at estimating time. Um, and <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, always double it and add a week. That's that's the formula. Um, but now that I'm trying to get into that process of actually saying just do a little bit and a little bit and a little bit rather than the whole thing, it has made me more productive overall even though it doesn't Mm. feel like it because you will just just do a little bit just that one 
thing. Um, somebody said, uh, a good piece of advice is, don't stop until you know what you're going to do next, which I took to be just do a very, very small thing so that you can stop. So the next thing can be another very, very small thing. And you always constantly have those small breakdowns of tasks going on, whether that's learning the new thing or the next like bit of code you want to refactor or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely practicing that process. It, yeah. it is tricky when you have a big, brilliant idea. And you're like, oh. yeah, I love that advice. <laughs> <laughs> Just come from you. <laughs> oh yeah the the don't stop until oh, the other yeah. Advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it was Sarah Drasner who said that one if I want to actually um, reference the quote um, but yeah that sat with me I was like yeah yeah because sometimes I'll shut my laptop and it'll be halfway through and then obviously I'll come back to it and I'll be quite stuck and you spend then again you've got your uptime so you've got half an hour of just trying to figure it out whereas if you like now I just leave myself a little comment saying this is your next task and I can open up and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know where I am now. And not have that uptime, which makes breaking it into smaller things easier. That's what I found. Yeah. I mean, how was that process? You know, the, the project that you described had so many different layers kind of coming into it. Was it uh, kind of, I guess, a little bit of exploration? Like, oh, I want to look at some shaders now, which are also something that completely blow my mind every single time I try and do it. Uh, and then it's like gone from the MIDI to Tone.js, you know, all the all the different steps. Was there like a bigger picture when you're planning something like that? Yeah, that's a good, for this one, it was actually an interesting project because this was an example of something I was able to kind of do a bigger one because I had done a bunch of smaller explorations beforehand. So I had separately kind of done a Tone.js thing and then had you know done a workshop with that and then um I had spent yeah just like days trying to wrap my brain around shaders it was like a concept I just like didn't even know about until <laughs> I had like gotten to uh recurse the this time so that was really cool to learn about so I was like okay maybe I can kind of combine these things into a project but like how will I do that and then I'd been working with p5 so I was like okay maybe I can like do something there to make it easier. Um, and then, so since I had kind of done all of those things separately, then when I went to be like, oh, maybe I can like use this MIDI controller. MIDI is also already something I'm kind of familiar with. So maybe I can use this as a way to kind of connect all of these bigger things. So that's kind of how this project came together of like, okay, I've gained all of these separate skills. Let me like try to connect them all and like didn't know if it would work. And then somehow it came together. <laughs> Amazing. I like I like that that process that that practice, like practice all the little things. Um, yeah. My question is: when you were in the recurse center, you were obviously surrounded by people and a community, and, and I don't know how large it is, who are constantly. You're probably always discussing um, technologies that you're using and ideas that you have. Is that an assumption yeah. I can make? Yeah, totally. And that's very beneficial. Um, when when you're not there and you're working on the more creative projects that you do work on, um, how do you still do? You find yourself missing that community? Do you, you search for it in other places? Do you have it in other places? 
Yeah, that's a, I think it was definitely helpful to be there um, with other people working on just in terms of, oh, I'm working on this thing. And then I could like next door, somebody would be like, oh, I'm actually working on something similar or somebody else used this library. So that was definitely helpful. And I, I missed that a lot. I think using um, that as like a basis of, I just wrote down a bunch of references and then those references all have like other resources I can look towards um, has been really helpful. So a bunch of books or a bunch of um, YouTube tutorials. I really like um, the coding train. Daniel Schiffman's um, yeah. tutorials are really awesome and a way to like learn about new libraries or new things that I could be inspired by. So that's kind of how I've been trying to continue that learning journey without maybe being in that environment. Yeah. Cool. Coding train, such a rich resource. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's very rich. It, it, it t- kind of intimidates me sometimes. <laughs> I get yeah, overwhelmed totally. by all the things I want to learn when I'm there. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know I wanted to know that, but now I know it's there. I want to know that. <laughs> oh, okay. That's great. Yeah. I was just thinking about being around people is always really, really helpful, especially if you have those ideas and resources and you can talk about them. And then how do you keep that mindset once you're not in that environment anymore? But I do, yeah, this, this, there is a great deal of rich resources out there. Just discovering them, I think, it's probably the hurdle yeah, sometimes. I think that's hard. I definitely do go to um, – I don't know about a specific, like, overall creative coding meetup in – Uh, New York where I am I don't know if you all do but um, I have found like different days like there's processing community day I went to which was um, like a cool way to meet other people doing creative coding things or they'll just be various um, Afrotechtopia is also um, a very cool opportunity that kind of um, brings together thinking about like Afrofuturism and technology which is something I'm interested in and arts so there are different like one day events I've gone to where I've met a lot of people who are interested in kind of the creative coding journey as well so that's been a way to connect with people Um, and yeah just signing up to give talks and workshops as well Um, I gave one on web audio at a friends hackathon that's beyonce themed which oh, wow. is really fun My goodness. <laughs> yeah it's called flawless hacks it's really great and so i was like okay well i'll you know this was gonna be a uh, people of various skill levels maybe hadn't even coded before um so kind of made a glitch that they could remix where we just built the intro to crazy and love by beyonce with tone js and that was a really cool way to like just see how other people use the tools and like let them explore with it. And I learned a lot kind of like doing that as well. So those have all been kind of ways I've kind of done one-offs. <laughs> That's amazing. Does sound like the funnest hackathon I've ever heard yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's super awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so you said that they, were they, were they coders? You, you, I think you said they were beginner coders. Yeah, so it's um, focused on getting um, mostly, I think mostly um, in college or starting their um, coding journey. So maybe some CS students, maybe people who are interested in tech, but 
haven't found a way to kind of get into it before or people they're really targeting. So it's really cool to be able to say like, oh, maybe you're into music or maybe you're into these other things. Like, let's have a hackathon based off of that. So to get you interested in, maybe you'll also like coding. So yeah, that's, I hadn't, that's spreading the good word. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that um, sort of answers all all the questions around learning, which I kind of had, because I think that this recurse center sounds like a really lovely um, environment for exploration and picking things up. And I think it can be a block. I think a lot of people when they're starting will just not know where to start a lot of the time. Yeah. And they want to, but they're just like, how do I, I don't even know where to begin. Um, Yeah. Really go to, go to one of Sherelle's hackathons. (laughs) that's it Um, yeah I guess if we wrap it up there is there uh, anywhere we can find you any cool projects you think we should all check out of yours Um, how can we we boost definitely so um, I would say my Twitter is the place where I usually post about these things if I do give a talk or a workshop I post the materials there So you can find past ones I've done there or um, any talks and I'll be posting um, hopefully once I have an example of me using the cool MIDI program I've used, I'll also post it there. So um, my handle there is Shrell, close to my name, but missing a letter. So S-H-R-E-L-L. Brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll we'll be putting all these links where this is found on the website as well and probably tweeting them out when the episode comes out. I have one final question. Could you recommend us some music? Possibly something that you are listening to right now. Oh, sure. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Well, right now I'm making my 100 favorite songs of uh, the last decade. uh, As a celebration (laughs) of the decade, which I've been agonizing over. Um, (laughs) So I would say... um, What's come on top is there's this group called Boy Genius. Uh Um, They're composed of three separate artists who I really love, Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, and Lucy Dacus, all amazing songwriters. And they kind of joined this super group and put out um, an album last year that I truly love. Um, The song Me and My Dog is probably my favorite. So would go check that out. If you like guitars, really good songwriting, and amazing vocals. You'll get all wow. of that from that. I know what I'm doing after this. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, amazing. Thank you so much, Cheryl. That was that was great. Thank you for so much for coming. Yeah, on. thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a great conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Generative Art Podcast. As always, please give us a like, tell your friends, spread the word. You can find us on Twitter at GenArtPodcast, where all the links to all the episodes are posted. Until next time.